Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This year in our family, there is a song that has been added to our Christmas playlist. And I wanted to share it with you. I'm going to sing it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, this, this new song, this new Christmas song um, for me is actually a song that I had, had read before, um, and it's actually a song to which I do not know the, the, the music, uh, but it's a beautiful song nonetheless, a, a poem that was spoken by Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, after his son was born. And even though uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth had waited an entire lifetime for a child to be born to them, Zechariah sang that day not about his son John, but he sang that day about John's cousin, Jesus. And so it's this beautiful Christmas song, and I want to just read it to us. It's been a blessing to me this Christmas season. Hopefully it will be to you as well. And it's found in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. This is what it says. It says, And John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. We're going to look at the tail end of that beautiful Christmas song this morning. But before we do, I want to go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we are just so thankful again to be able to gather here and to worship. Father, I pray that your spirit would be our guide today. And Father, that your spirit would teach us, every single one of us, me included, from your word here today. Father, that it would come alive to us. I pray that you would help me from getting in the way of that. And I pray that you would just um, help me to focus on the things that you would have for us. But Father, if I wander away from that, and if I share something you do not want us to to hear, I pray that we would quickly forget it. But any words that I share today that are your words and your truth for us, I pray that we would remember it, we would believe it, and we would walk forward in it in the power of your Spirit, that we might be shaped more into the image of your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, have you ever found yourself in a position where you are longing for the light? found yourself in that spot where you're just longing for the light to come. You know, I found myself in that position back in 1994. I was camping with 
a couple of friends in Yosemite National Park in California. We were there in May. Yosemite in May is a beautiful place. Waterfalls pouring into the valley, um, lots of things to see, giant sequoia trees. Uh, But one of the things about Yosemite in May is that the days can be quite warm and the nights can be quite cold, especially when you're at altitude. And when we were there that May, all of the campsites down in the valley of Yosemite Valley were all taken. And so myself and my two friends, if we were to bed down in Yosemite that night, we were going to have to camp in the high country, up over 9,000 feet high in Porcupine Flats. Sounds very inviting, doesn't it? Um, So there we were in Porcupine Flats, over 9,000 feet, May of 1994, and we go to bed at night. Now, I was with two friends who were quite experienced campers. They had been camping many times before, and as you know, when you go camping a lot of times, as you go camping with the right equipment, and my friends had these sleeping bags, these Kelty Sub-Zero mummy sleeping bags. You've seen these kind, when they cocoon up in those, all you have is like a nose sticking out. My friends zip up in those, they snug right there in, uh, in, in, the, in the tent, and they are out, and they are snoring, and they are loving the crisp mountain air. And then there was me. Um, And I'm a little more of a novice when it comes to camping, especially at that point in my life. And and I don't have a Kelty Sub-Zero sleeping bag. As a matter of fact, what I had was really akin to a terry cloth sleeping bag with Garfield the cat on the top of it. And and there we were in the tent, Porcupine Flats, 9,000 feet. I'm freezing to death. And I wake up about 1.30 in the morning, it's in the 20s, and, and I am just absolutely miserable. Um, and I just am staring at the top of that tent. Now, this is a three-person tent, or a two-person tent, there's three people in there. There's nowhere to go. Any moving around, I'm going to wake them up, I don't want to do that. I'm a guy, I don't want to admit my weakness. I'm just sitting there trying to keep my teeth chattering from waking them up. And I am just wishing and hoping and waiting for the light to come, because I know that the next day is going to be warmer, the next day is going to be light, I'm going to enjoy that next day, but that night was cold and miserable, and as the night wore on, my emotions were frayed. I was angry, I was frustrated, I was upset, I was jealous, I, I, I'm doubting the, the, my place in the universe, I mean, all the thoughts that go through your mind at 2 o'clock in the morning, freezing cold, over 9,000 feet, porcupine flats. Um. But then, the next morning, a little glow comes outside the tent. The sun is beginning to rise. And as the sun rises, uh, my life gains meaning again. And uh, I, I can use that as an excuse to slip out of the tent and to go. And though it's still cold, it's getting warmer. And by noontime that day, when the sun is fully all the way up, I'm walking around in shorts and a t-shirt, hiking to Half Dome. Um, What a difference the light makes. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where you are longing for the light? Well, some of you like me have had experiences like that. Some of you like me have been in times where you're just waiting for the sun to come up. Maybe you've got some terrible news and you can't sleep and it's just miserable in your house that night, and you just can't wait for the sun to rise the next day. You can do something different, experience something different. Maybe some of you have been freezing cold, camping, waiting for that sun to rise. Maybe you lost power last night, 
um, and your house was freezing and you were waiting for the sun to rise so you could come to the church where it would be open and it would be warm. I don't know what your experience is, but have you ever been in that spot where you've been longing for the light? Well, the Bible would tell us that the entire world was in a position of longing for the light in the days leading up to the birth of Christ. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, in Isaiah chapter 9, talks about how the world was deep in darkness before Christ came, longing for his light. Spiritually speaking, without Christ, we are in the dark and we are longing for the light. And that was the place where Zechariah, the priest, found himself before he penned that Christmas song we read earlier. He was living in a world of darkness, and he was longing for the light of Christ. And because of that, maybe we can understand why when he began to sing his song, he didn't focus on the birth of his own son, but he focused on the birth of that son's cousin, Jesus Christ, who would be the light of the world. This Christmas, as we gather here at Wildwood, I want us to take just a few moments this morning and focus on the incredible hope that we have of life and light in Christ. Now, we're going to see a couple of things today. The first thing that we're going to see is this. first thing we're going to see is that the night before Christmas was dark. The night before Christmas was dark. And, and really, we need to understand that. And we need to reflect on it a little bit before we dive in and look at the specifics of what Zechariah sang about. Because the world in which Zechariah lived was a world of darkness, of, of, of spiritual darkness. And there were a number of things that contributed to that. You think about some of the things that were going on at the time when Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were living. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth were a part of the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel, they're the people of God. And God had been in relationship with them for thousands of years before Zechariah and Elizabeth were born. God had, had a steady influence among their people. He had done miracles in their presence. He had brought them out of Egypt. He had given them his law and his word. He had confirmed all of that with messages regularly from the prophets that had composed what we know of as our Old Testament God had been in regular communication with his people. And yet, 400 years before Elizabeth and and Zechariah came on the scene, radio silence developed between them and God. God stopped talking to them. There weren't any prophets who were writing new scripture during that time. And and that, that, that time of silence led God's people to wonder what was going on. It led them to experience a sense of, 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 of wonder. It placed them in a position of darkness, longing for the light. Further, not only have they been in this period of radio silence from God, but they also had found themselves in a period of time where they were being oppressed by the peoples of the earth. Uh, King Herod was a terrible leader, and yet he was over the region of, of Israel. And, and over him was the Roman Empire, which was imposing foreign gods and and different values and extracting all of the the money they could from the people of Israel. And their lives, which once had been sovereign, were now under the thumb of an enemy king. 
and their world was dark. And not only were they having radio silence from God, and not only were they experiencing some oppression from the peoples of the earth at that time, but also there was corruption among the leaders of Israel. The religious leaders of their day, instead of seeking uh, the good of the people, instead of seeking the worship of God, they had turned inward upon themselves, and they were seeking their own gain and their own benefit. The, the world was dark at the time that Zechariah and Elizabeth were alive. The night before Christmas was dark. It was dark in a macro scale in the world in which they lived, but the world was also dark in a micro scale. Because in the midst of this world that was experiencing all of these difficulties, individual families were still living life, and they were still experiencing their own periods of, of hardship and sorrow. And that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth found themselves. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth had lived almost in a, a full life. They were old people at this time. They were well past child-rearing days, and yet they had no sons and they had no daughters. They were experiencing some darkness in their family life. And, and, you know, many of you in this room know the sting of childlessness. You've experienced it yourself. You have a friend that has gone through that, the, the pain of that. That's where Zachariah and Elizabeth found themselves. They found themselves in this season of darkness. Now, how about you today? Can you relate at all to living in a dark world? Is there any, any part of that phrase that those who live in darkness, those who dwell in darkness, that Isaiah 9 talks about? Is there any part of that that, that relates to you? Now, we live on the other side of Christ's birth, don't we? We live at a time where, where Christ has already come into the world. It's not the night before Christmas, it's several nights after Christmas, and Christ has come in the world. But because we live in a fallen world, you and I experience the difficulty of darkness around us. You know, you've experienced this with loved ones dying this year. You've experienced this with illness that has sprung up or has flared up or has gotten worse. You've experienced this with political systems that are broken and, and news networks that remind us of that and anxiety levels that rise and morality that is, that is twisted. See, we live in a, in a dark world. We can, we can relate to that because even though Christ has been born, he, his, his sovereign rule is not yet realized in, in every corner of the planet. And so we are people who are familiar with the concept of living in darkness just as Zechariah was. Well, because we're familiar with darkness, his, his words and his song are, are full of a lot of truth for us, and there's something that we ought to sing for joy with as well. You know, Zechariah took the chance to compose this song, not about the birth of his own son, John, but about the birth of Jesus that was to come, because Jesus' birth and life is what provided life and light to all of the world at that time, and even as a blessing to us. And so it, it's, it's helpful for us at Christmas time to focus not just on each other and not just on the gifts and, and, and the songs and those things, but for us to focus on Christ because he's the one who brings us life. Because though we live in a dark world, though the night before Christmas is dark, the Christmas light brings life. The Christmas life, light brings life. Now, 
All of that sets us up for the beautiful words that John sings, or that Zacharias sings in Luke 1, 78 and 79. If you've got a Bible, look at those with me. It's kind of a unique translation here of these words, but I think it, it grasps the, the heart that Zacharias shared that, that day. Zechariah is concluding his song of praise, and this is what he says. He says, all of this, all of what is going to be accomplished for us in Christ, all of this will flow from the kind and compassionate mercy of our God. What an amazing statement that is. He's saying that the blessings of Christ and the hope of Christmas all comes not as an accident, but comes from a very intentional set of decisions that were made by a God who loves us and made by a God who wants to show compassion and kindness to us. And so it flows out of that character of God that the gift of Christmas comes, the provision of Christ. It says, all this will flow from the kind and the compassionate mercy of our God. If, if you've ever thought my life is insignificant, my life is is, is unknown by God. Uh, God may relate to some people, but not certainly to me. Um, that's a lie. What this verse reminds us of is that the God of the universe is compassionate and kind, and from his compassion and from his kindness flows the gift that he gives to the world at Christmas. And then he talks about that gift. He talks about the gift that is given from his compassion and his kindness. It says this about it. It says, a new day is dawning. Remember, this is against the backdrop of the darkness of our world. A new day is dawning. There's a glimmer of hope on the horizon. It says, the sunrise from the heavens will break through in our darkness. And those who huddle in night, those who sit in the shadow of death, will be able to rise and walk in the light guided in the pathway of peace. The picture that Zechariah uses to describe Jesus, who would be born to Mary just a few weeks after this was first sung, the picture that he uses is that of a sunrise. Now, why did he choose that picture? Well, I think he chose it for several reasons. First of all, this picture of a sunrise was an idea that was rooted in a lot of Old Testament Scripture. The Greek word that, that lay behind sunrise was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in a couple of places to talk about Messiah's coming. One of the places it was used was in the book of Numbers, chapter 24 and verse 7, where it talks about the star that would rise this is the, the very same passage that allowed the, the Magi to be looking at the sky for the star that would shine over the city where the Messiah would be born. It was a new star. It was a new life. The same word that was used in Luke chapter 1, verse 78, to be a sunrise was used in the book of Numbers chapter 24 to talk about the star that would shine at the Savior's birth. One of the reasons why is that. A second Old Testament reference, though, is that same Greek word that's translated as a, a day spring or a new star or a, a sunrise. That same word was also translated in Isaiah chapter 11 as a shoot off of the, the stump of Jesse's tree. Same word. 
in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's the idea that whether it's a stump or whether it's a a night, that there will be a spark that will provide new life. There will be a spark that will provide new light into the world. And so Jesus' appearing ties into those Old Testament ideas and is pictured as a sunrise. Now, I love that picture of Jesus' coming as a sunrise because, as we talked about earlier, we're, we're people who are longing for the light. And Jesus' birth was a glimmer of hope on the horizon. I remember me laying in my Garfield sleeping bag, staring at the top of the tent in Yosemite freezing to death, waiting for just a glimmer of hope on the horizon. Jesus' birth is that glimmer of hope. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, had he yet lived a life and and taught us the Sermon on the Mount and demonstrated all of the reality of God? No. Had had he uh, yet died on the cross for our sins? No. Had he resurrected from the grave? No. Had he returned to the earth and fully established his kingdom everywhere? No. Those would be things that would come at 9, 10, 11, and noonday. Those things would provide the warmth that would allow us to live in a world that would have no death, that would have no shadow cast over it, that that would have no darkness that we would have to deal with. But Jesus' coming was like a sunrise providing a ray of hope on the horizon. It says the sunrise of Christ coming from the heavens will break through in our darkness. And those of us who huddle in night, those who sit in shadow of death, will be able to rise and walk in the light, guided in the pathway of peace. You know why those words are so meaningful to me? It's because, you know, I, I've, I've lived, I live life, right? And, and I live life with you guys. And I know over the last year that there has been loss here. There have been people who who have experienced loss, loss in relationship, loss in health, loss of a loved one, and maybe not this year, but in recent years, and that pain and the sting of that still holds on. There's a darkness that wants to creep in. But you know what gives me so much hope in the midst of a world that has darkness that is creeping in, in the midst of a world that is living in shadows, is that there is a sun that is risen, that gives us hope to get out of the tent. Because one day, he will be fully illuminating this world. One day, he will return and establish his kingdom on every corner of this planet. And because of that, we can live now with the hope of that warmth. We can leave our tent and experience his blessing. Because the sun is rising. I don't know where you're sitting today on this story, but I would encourage you this Christmas, if you have not already done so, to trust in the rising sun, to leave the tent, and to trust in his provision of life. Because his provision is truly life. Look at what it, what it says at the, end of this, at the end of this section. It says that we'll be able to, to rise and to walk out in the light, guided in the pathway of peace. There's a a path, there's a direction, there is purpose that God has given to us in Christ. And if we follow him, we will experience the life that he created us to live. 
And you know, we get twisted up in this sometimes. Sometimes we, we forget that Christ's leading and his direction and his, his, his word and his admonitions to us and the example that he set and all those things, sometimes we forget that those things truly do lead to life. Sometimes we think they lead to death. Sometimes we think, you know, if I were to truly follow Christ, it won't lead to life. It will lead to death in my business because I'll have to not do things that I think I need to do in order for my business to succeed. And if, if I don't do those things, then, you know, if I really follow Christ, it'll lead to death in my business. And yet, the sunrise, Christ leads to life. We need to remember that. Sometimes we think if I really follow Christ, it'll lead to death in my relationship with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You know, if I really follow Christ in that area, that it, it will lead to a death in that relationship. And yet, it won't. Christ, following Christ will lead to life, not death. Sometimes we think if I really follow Christ in my financial life, it'll lead to death to my pocketbook. And yet, the reality is that following Christ leads to life. Not that we'll drive the fanciest cars or fly the fanciest planes, but that God will provide for our needs. See, the reality is that following Christ leads to life. And that's why we celebrate at Christmas, because the sun is risen. We can leave the tent and follow him. Now, at Wildwood, this is something that we believe is, is real and actual, something that is, is very dear and important to, to, to all of our hearts. Um, and because of that, because we believe that Christ's coming is light and life to a dark world, we believe that that, that life and light is something that we should share. And as, as a church, over the last 12 months, we have spent some time uh, really kind of reorganizing and investing some resources, both with, with people and with finances, in order to be in a better position for us to, to shine the life and the light of Christ into a dark world. And 12 months ago, we kind of ushered this out under this, this banner that we called Ready for Takeoff. It's the idea that we were going to mobilize the church to take off from this place, that we might land in different places in our community and around the world and share the light and the love of Christ um, because people matter to God, and this sunrise has impact for all of the earth. And so 12 months later, a lot has happened. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to, to spend a little bit of time kind of embracing just some of the ways in which God has been at work as Wildwood has took off from this place and landed in different areas around town. Hi, Wildwood Church. I'm Deborah Crittenbrink. I'm with Bridges in Norman, and we loved you having you around this year. You know what you did? You did time, treasure, and talents for us, and we couldn't be more pleased. You helped our students uh, get new dressers, so clothes aren't stacked on the floor anymore. Um, you sent three students to college with $2,000 scholarships, which is, as you know, extraordinary. And most importantly, some of your congregation volunteered as mentors to our students, and they've been there to support them all year long. Thank you for landing here in 2013. Hi, I'm Brittany Beek, the assistant principal at Eisenhower. Thank you, Wildwood, for sending 24 mentors to be with our students this year. Thanks for landing here. 
Hey Wildwood, this is Amy Radford, Food Service Director with Food and Shelter for Friends here in Norman, Oklahoma. In the past year, you have come together each month and sent workers on a mission of compassion to prepare and serve meals here at our facility. Thank you for your continued service to our community and thanks for landing here at Food and Shelter in 2013. Wildwood, this is Robin Weiser. I'm the counselor at Kennedy Elementary. In the last nine months, you have provided us with 30 mentors to meet weekly with our students. We've had eight tutors come in twice a week and help our students with their reading skills. We've also had 16 volunteers to help with grade level support and staff appreciation, gifts and talents, and some, someone to call when our families are in crisis and need basic household supplies or food baskets. There are great things happening right now at Kennedy Elementary, and Wildwood has been a huge part of that. So, we want to thank you for your time, talents, and treasures, and we appreciate that you landed here in 2013. Hey Wildwood, I'm Phil Chain with Mexico Missions. Because of your help, we've reached out to over 3,000 children and over 5,000 adults with our backpack program. We just want to say thank you, and thanks for landing here in 2013. Hi, I'm Alan Edson. I'm the assistant director here at Mission Norman. And uh, I just want to say a big thank you to all the folks at Wildwood that have come out here. Uh, right now, we're in the process of uh, getting presents ready for 616 children in the Norman area that have signed up for Christmas. And I know those children are going to be blessed and excited about all the toys, uh, all the noise that's being made in there. And uh, it's all for a good cause and lots of spirits and happy people. And I just want to, again, say thank you to your church. And, and, and above all else, thanks for landing here at Mission Norman. Hi, this is Chase and Julie with One by One Nicaragua. And we just want you to know that God is using Wildwood down here in Nicaragua. This year, in addition to helping support our child sponsorship program, Wildwood sent down 41 people on short-term teams. Those teams help with special events and work projects. They preach the gospel through drama, and they also help give hands-on learning experiences to dozens of our kids. Wildwood has also supported us personally through prayer, fundraisers, and hospitality, all of which helped us to move back to Nicaragua to continue doing ministry after spending a year in the States for medical reasons. Thanks for landing here. Hey Wildwood, I am Scott Hennigan. I'm the Area Director for Young Life in Norman, and I wanted to say thank you for partnering with Young Lives, which is our ministry to teen moms in Norman. You guys were uh, instrumental in getting several of our girls, our teen moms, to camp. We believe that camping is one of the greatest ways to present the gospel to kids who have never heard about who Christ is or the life that they could live in God. And, and Young Life Camping is one of the hallmarks of our ministry. And you guys made it possible for uh, five of our girls to go down to Camp Buckner and experience the best week of their life. And uh, the girls, Bonnie and Alex and some others, got to experience this unbelievable life with their uh, young kids as the uh, child care workers went with them, took care of the kids while they could enjoy being a kid again and experiencing all that camp has for them. The greatest part about any week at camp is the very end when kids get to stand up and say so. They get to say that they have begun a relationship with Christ. And I love the fact that every single week, and especially on this week that our Norman Young Life girls were there, they got to stand up and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and they did. So thank you so much for making it happen. Thank you for your investment in the lives of these teen girls here in Norman. Thank you for partnering with Young Lives and making stuff like this happen. We feel very blessed by Wildwood and what you guys are doing in the community. And we want to say thank you for landing here.
I tell you, that's, that's very, very exciting to watch. That's just a glimmer of, of some of the things that God has been doing in this past year. And, and what it is, is a glimpse at part of the dream that we had a little more than a year ago. And that was to really take Wildwood's outreach to a new altitude, our, our outreach internationally and our outreach locally. And uh, part of that involved a plan that we felt like God had given to us. And that was to, to take the remainder of what we owed on our children's building, our, our mortgage basically, which was about $16,000 a month in that payment, uh, a little bit less than $200,000 a year. And here was our thought, if we could pay that off, we could take that money and utilize it for the next number of years and decades, pouring into outreach internationally and locally. And so a year ago, we asked Wildwood to be able to make a commitment to pay off $1.5 million in one year. And we're very excited to give you where we stand as of this morning. This is really exciting stuff. As of this morning, here's how much that we have received. $1,494,618. And that is an awesome amount of money. That's almost equal to our whole year's budget. And we just want you to know we're excited and we believe with every bit of confidence that before this year is out, we will have all of that paid off. We're gonna be completely debt-free and we're gonna have this opportunity to be able to reach out more effectively internationally and locally. So I just want to thank all of you for your faithfulness and how encouraging it is to us as leaders. And we just really want to honor the Lord because he is the one who has done this. And we're excited about the opportunities that we're going to have. We're going to be having some incredible opportunities locally and internationally, not only just to invest the funds, but also to invest our own time and our own abilities and talents And we thank you for everybody who's already been mobilized, and God's going to do some great things, we believe, in 2014 and beyond. I thought I would just uh, lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we just really want to thank you so much for your greatness and for your power and for your glory. We, We know, Lord, that that's our passion. We want to connect people to Christ. When there's darkness in this world, whether it's here locally or somewhere around the globe, we want to be used by you to bring light into that darkness. And of course, the greatest light, the heart of the light, is the message of the person of Jesus Christ. We not only want to meet people's physical needs, but we want to help meet their ultimate spiritual need, and that is to come to know personally the God of the universe. So, Father, we just want to thank you for the way that you've worked inside of this church body. What an awesome thing that you have done. We're so grateful for your power and your greatness. We're we're, we're thankful that you have even provided us, as as a church family at large, the resources to be able to get to this point. And we look forward to how you're going to lead us in the months and years ahead to land in other places, in other situations, whether it's through investing our time and our talent or investing some of the treasure and the resources you have given to us because ultimately it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the Savior. It's all about wanting to lift up and honor him. And with a lot of joy today, we just thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do 
We'll be watching carefully to see how you use us to connect other people to Christ and to bring light in the darkness. And we just thank you for all of this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's, it's just only fitting that we have a point of celebration uh, after being able to share that good news with you. And also, uh, one of our Christmas traditions every year is to have our worship team perform Carol of the Bells. So, in part to celebrate Christmas and in part to celebrate everything that God has done in our Ready for Takeoff initiative, I'm going to turn it over to Greg Hill. Give Greg a hand and the worship team a hand. Thank you very much. We appreciate the privilege and the opportunity to do this each year. It's uh, really something we look forward to. I look forward to Christmas music all year long, and, and to share something like this that everybody has contributed to is really a lot of fun, and it's just a neat way to honor God with the gift of music, and we hope that you enjoy this year's version of Carol the Bells as much as we do.